0: Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We are so excited to present our new sermon series, You Asked For It, where we hit the top six topics requested by all of you. Hope you enjoy. I want to share with you my journey on time management. I might be talking a little bit about myself today, maybe a little too much about myself today. And forgive me for that. You didn't come to hear about me. You came to hear about Jesus. But um, when I talk about time management, uh, I can only tell it to you from my perspective. And I feel like I have a pretty interesting story when it comes to time management. When I think of managing my time, my mind automatically goes back to November 2008. Now for you, I don't know where you were uh, November 2008, uh, but I'll tell you where I was in November 2008. It was was the craziest time of my life, time-wise. Um, I had just got married uh, to the most beautiful woman in the entire world. Uh, we got married on October 25th, and almost, almost from the end of the honeymoon to the end of November, things got crazy. Uh, we get off the plane, remember, babe? We get off the plane. We had parked our car at this, at this mobile lot, because we were in, in Cancun for 10 days. Was it Cancun? Good, good. Cancun. 10 days. And, uh, and, and it was awesome. All expense paid was beautiful. Um, and so we come back. We're like, oh, this is so great. It's a honeymoon. Okay. Can't wait to get married life with you. It's going to be fun. This is going to be great. We get, we get in the car. So, so, so I'm not even going to pretend. So Liz left the light on in the car when we left from Orlando to Cancun. So we get back. It's already 10 o'clock. We're in Orlando. We live in Gainesville. It's so a two-hour drive. Um, the car won't start. So now it's, it's 10 o'clock. Uh, we just want to get home to our new house, you know, new apartment, uh, and a car won't start. Got to get somebody to come jump our car. We get in the car, we go there. There's construction on the highway. We get home. It's 4 a.m. We get home. Um, I decide, you know, it's 4 a.m. It was it was Saturday night, so I was like, well, Sunday morning now. I'm gonna just sleep in. You know, I love church, but you know, I also I also need to be able to stand straight, and so I just. Um, but that was a problem because I was a full-time employee at my at my church, and so and so and I. So I decided, you know, I'm going to sleep in. Well, in the morning, I got a phone call from my pastor, who, who you got to understand this man's philosophy of ministry, is, is in case like this. He told me, he said, I, said, I said, I needed an off day. He told me just like this, he said, the devil don't take an off day. I said, well, maybe that's why he became the devil. He should, should have had a day off. Maybe he'd have been better. Maybe he'd have still been an angel if he learned how to take a break. Dang it. And so... That was the pressure on me, so, so, I, got, so, I, so I, got this, I got this job, full-time ministry, where the, the boss is literally telling me, you're not allowed to take a day off, uh, and that, that's that. On top of that, um, I got this scholarship at, at the University of Florida that I'm just beginning, I'm in the first semester of it, and, uh, and it was one of those scholarships that are only good, good for a certain amount of years, and I had already spent two of those years pursuing ministry in ministry school. And so when I came out, I only had a certain amount of number of years left on that scholarship. So I, so I got, I got to now power along my classes in order to be able to make sure my education's free. So I'm also taking six classes, the University of Florida, true story. In order to get, in order to reschedule my midterm, I had to bring pictures of my honeymoon to my statistics teacher. She wouldn't believe me. She said, "If you really want to get this rescheduled, you need to come in with the wedding ring on and pictures from the honeymoon." I swear to you. But I had to do all that, you know. Um, and then on top of that, uh, I had to uh, – ministry doesn't pay a lot at all in case you want to do it. Just know you need to be called to this thing. It's not a great career choice but, a, but an amazing calling. Um, and, so, and so on top of that, uh, I had to, you know, find other sources of income. And so what I did was I decided I was going to start a business. And so I started my own business, um, again, not because I had an expensive wedding. I didn't even pay for the wedding um, my in-laws paid and then my, my parents paid for the honeymoon. I had to start a business because I have an expensive wife and not a, an expensive wedding, but an expensive wife. And what I'm, I'm telling you, the woman, guys, you know, she is allergic to fake gold. That's how, not cheap, she, her body, her DNA is expensive, okay? She just, you try and get her cheap gold and her, she gets a reaction. She's like, you bought it? would you buy it? You didn't buy this at Jars, did you? I can tell. My ears turn red, coming home with no boom-boom jewelry. I'll never forget the day. It was like a weight off my chest. I came home with diamond earrings. Now, very small, small diamond earrings. I came home with diamond earrings. She said, you don't have to do this, babe. That's a lot of money. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you mean this is for life? Like, I got you on lock? Like, you're not going to leave? You know, so I just I felt unworthy. So I was like, I had to keep buying her stuff. But then she told me that she was married to me for life. So I was like, in that case, I'm going to just stop working out. I'm going to just stop. I got you. Just kidding. And I had just signed a contract with our city. Uh, it was a graphic design company that i had started so i was working on, on that and we were you know pumping out design and and they said hey if this one goes really good uh if you design the brochures for the schools we're going to give you the brochures for the whole city of gainesville so they started me off on two schools uh, it was a potential five-figure contract and so and i'll never rem- i'll never forget uh being in my in my living room because I, while i was i had just closed the books my statistics books it was probably 10 o'clock at night i had just closed the statistics book and then i had opened my laptop to start working on the graphics and and on the couch next to me is, is my wife, and she's watching, uh, and I remember the show, Law and Order SVU. And I, I remember she's watching it, not because I have a great memory, but because at the time we could only afford the rabbit ear te- uh, antenna. We only had three channels that we watched, and it was, SVU was one of those channels that we watched. And so, and so I remember her watching it, and, uh, and, and, I, and, and this depression set on me because I really wanted to be with her, but I'm, I'm over here handling, handling, handling this and, uh, and, I, and, and I'm not sharing this with you so that you can feel bad for me, like, you know, spoiler alert, like, I made it. <laughs> you know, I made it. I'm just, I'm just saying that so that you know that I can empathize where you are. I, I know what it feels like, okay, to have to tell your kids, apologize to them, sorry, daddy can't play with you right now because he's got work to do. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to reschedule date night again, okay. I know what it feels like to wonder if you even have friends because you can't remember the last time you hung out with your friends because you're so busy. I know what it feels like to multitask your devotional life. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about when you're praying in the shower because while you're brushing your teeth, dear Jesus, I just want to thank you for. Talking about when you're getting your worship on in the car, almost, almost causing accidents because you're, you're never going Oh, snap. Where'd that car come? let me down. I know what it's like to, and this one's going to hit home. And if, and if it's you just, just, you can, you could be silent. You could say, amen. you could just blink, but I know what it's like to have to read your Bible on the toilet. Cause you got no time. You're quiet. Cause it's true. Okay. You got no time. Cause you got a lot on your plate, and on top of that, you got the soccer games, you got the term papers, you got the doctor's visits, you got church, you got visiting family, you've got work, and you've got bookshelves full of books that you were supposed to read in two thousand and one. It's <laughs> about how to survive Y two K. Still haven't opened it. Still, you still haven't opened it. Here is what I have learned. In that season, these principles, and I'm going to share these principles with you so hopefully you can make it out of that season if you find yourself in that season. And the first thing you have to learn is, and write this down if you're taking notes, there is no such thing as time management. And you're thinking like, what? I read like eight books on it. Just hear me out. There is no such thing as time management. Listen, because time itself is out of your control. You can't manage it because you don't control it. You don't get to set the deadlines. Your boss Your professor, your teacher, your client, they set the deadline. You don't get to decide when your wedding anniversary is. It's October 25th. Whether you you remember to make a reservation at the restaurant or not, it's coming. How many people started, your parents in the house, you started posting photos of your kids, kindergarten, I love those cute pictures. They got like a chalkboard around their neck. And it's like, first day of kindergarten, woo, yeah, it's beautiful. Well, you don't get to decide when school starts. Will those kids have number two pencils or not? Who really knows? How well did you plan? (laughs) Because it's coming. And I know this is crazy. And I know this sounds out of the box. And and I know you probably never heard this before. But listen, this is revelation. Did you know that the snooze button doesn't really stop time? Or slow it down? You would think that you think it does. Is it 7 eh, a.m.? Nope. Stop time. Don't you dare go to 701. Wake up late for work. What happened? Time kept going. Uh, You were sleeping, uh, but time uh, kept going. You can't do much with time as it is. Even people and money can be made and multiplied. But not time. You get 24 hours of it, and that's it. People and money can be saved. We've got doctors. We've got banks. But you can't save time. In a minute, a minute will be gone. and There's nothing anyone can do rescue that minute. Time has no heroes. cannot be rescued. They cannot be saved. And so what do we do? We're at the mercy of time. Anybody over 40 years old will tell you hair follicles are at the mercy of time. Amen. They will tell you that their bones are at the mercy of time. That there are certain body parts that we have that are at the mercy of time. And while we're at it, gravity. We're also at the mercy of gravity. It's, it's, it's time. So what do we do? Do we lay down, and do we just give up, and do we say, well, I'm not going to have it anymore. I just can't do it. Do we just, do we just quit? Do we, do we just stick with the life of deadlines till death do we part? What do we do? Well, I'll tell you what I did. That November, uh, as I was finishing my job in 2008, I was finishing that, that graphic, um, I started to break. Started to break because my wife went to bed. We were just married for a couple of weeks, and she had to go to bed without me. We weren't even married one month. She's already going to bed by herself. Her husband's up working. She never asked me to earn more money. I just, I just wanted to. And I, so what I did was I, I fulfilled my contract. I, I finished the graphic. I submitted it to the city of Gainesville. And they loved it. And they said, we're ready to give you the rest of the contracts in the school. Will you take it? And I said, no, thank you. But it's five figures. I said, "Nah, no, no, thank you. Um, because it hit me, I might not be able to manage my time, but I can manage my life. There might not not be such a thing as time management, but there is such a thing as life management. You might not be able to decide your hours, but you can decide whether or not you want to take the job. You might not be able to decide what time your your, your infant baby wakes up in the middle of the night because they're hungry, but you can decide what time you go to bed the night before. You may not be able to set your deadline, but you can decide whether that deadline is going to kill you. What I'm trying to tell you is you can't manage time, but what you can do is manage yourself. What I want to teach you today is the art of managing yourself. Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. But he said, I want you to have a full life, not a full schedule. And those are not the same thing. And while the most common question in the world to ask is, what time is it? I would say the better question to ask is, what are you doing with your time? Where are you going with your life? You can't manage your time, but you can manage your life. And the re- one of the reasons why you can't manage your time, by the way, is because you don't know how much of it you've been given. If you tell me I have 70 years on this planet, then I'd be like, oh, I know how I want to spend that. If you tell me I have seven days... On this planet, well, then I'm going to spend that a little bit differently. You can't manage time. Psalm says that your days are numbered, sorry, but it doesn't tell you how many numbers you got left. So you can't manage your time. And I think that's one of the reasons why Paul was so successful. Paul was always afraid that he was going to die. He writes about it in all his letters. He's like, I almost died, First Corinthians. I almost died, Timothy. I almost died. You know, you live your life a certain way when you think you're going to die tomorrow. He realized, listen, I might not be able to make the most of my time because I don't know how much I have, it, I have of it. But because I know that I, I might not have much of it, I'm going to make the most of my life. And so what I'm going to give you today are not tools, tricks, hacks for productivity because tools evolve and they fade away. You cannot control your time. What I want to teach you today is how to manage your life as it relates to the forces that time puts on you. You can't control your time, but this is your life. And so I going to teach you through the life of Paul how to control your life, how to manage your life and the forces that it puts on you. And we're going to start right there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul is talking about he doesn't have a lot of time. And so this is what he says. It's on the screen. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Amen. Also so good. You know what made Paul so good? Not that he knew how to manage his time, but listen, that he knew how to manage the pressure that time puts on us. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You might not be able to manage time. What you can do is manage pressure. You got to be able to manage the pressure. Paul was great at managing the pressure of the situation. He gets attacked by a mob and he sees an audience. So he's with the Gentiles and a bunch of people tried to kill him. He's like, oh, I got a nice group here. Let me tell you about Jesus. He gets shipwrecked on on an island and there are a bunch of people who are hurt and he just starts healing them, making the most of his time. He gets locked up in jail, writes two thirds of of the New Testament, just making the most of his time. He knew how to operate under pressure. How many people are good operating under pressure? Like, if the paper's due tomorrow, like, you just become Shakespeare. Like, you just pump out that paper. Like, the less time you have, the better you are. Raise your hand if that's you. Raise your hand if you choke under pressure. You just, you suck under pressure. The, the time comes and you're like, that's it. it's over. I just can't. Not happening. It's due tomorrow. I quit. I can't. I feel qualified to talk about managing pressure because of what I do for a living. I have to talk for a living. They say the two greatest fears in life are death and public speaking. On top of that, I do public speaking on behalf of God. I, I feel some pressure. I get nervous every time I preach. All my friends know, my close friends know, I don't eat anything before I preach because it doesn't sit right in my stomach. My wife saw me getting nervous this week, went to preach in Oklahoma. She came to me and she said, man, you don't, you're so nervous. Do you get more nervous preaching at home or do you get more nervous preaching on the road? I said, Home. I so said, why? I said, because I can preach the same message out there. they never heard that before. I can't come in here talking about, I want to talk about say something today. I want to talk about, that's the title of yesterday's message. I, I got to bring something to you. I got to bring something fresh to you. And, and I got to bring it every Sunday because Sunday is coming whether I'm ready or not. And if they don't like me over there, no problem. I don't go back. <laughs> but if you don't like me over here, you don't come back. <laughs> I got some pressure. You know, sometimes I wait back there, that last song, and I honestly think to myself, why don't we just keep singing? <laughs> like, just one more song. Just let it go. Like the Holy Spirit's in this place. Just let it run. I swear I thought that last night. I saw the song list. I said, this is a good list. We should just keep on going. It's pressure, man. It's pressure. Now, that's my world. What's the pressure in your world? Maybe you're a high schooler. You just became a freshman or you just became a senior. And you, you got that V card. You're a virgin, but you got a bunch of friends looking around you talking about, hey, I wonder what time, when are you going to get in that relationship? When are you going to, and time is running out, and you got to be able to, are you going to find that person? You're going to have that, that sexual experience, and you got that time running out, running out? Maybe uh, you're still single, your 30s, and now you're going to be pushing 40, and you're thinking, whoa, whoa, the time is running out, and I need to, I need to find somebody quick, cause, because the makeup can only, I'm just kidding, because I need... I need to find. That's not nice. <laughs> that's not nice. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, I need to find somebody because the pressure, the pressure is getting real. Maybe, maybe the clock that's bringing pressure on your life is not the clock on the ceiling. Maybe it's the biological clock. Because you're a woman and you still haven't been able to have a child yet. The clock is ticking. Maybe it's the clock of your finances. Maybe you just got your mortgage in the mail and you say, "How many more years I got left on this thing?" right here. And when you see that, the pressure begins to build. Maybe it's the pressure of your prime. Some of you guys are in a profession that has a window. And if you don't succeed within that window, the chances are you will never succeed. And now you're beginning to feel the pressure of your time. And and I want to teach you today, not how to manage time because it's not really time. I want to teach you to manage pressure because the longer you wait, The longer it takes for your dreams to be fulfilled, the longer it takes for the promise to happen, the longer it takes for you to reach your goals, the longer it takes for you to get there, wherever there is, the more the pressure builds. And if you cannot manage the pressure, the pressure will overtake you. Yes, the clock is ticking. We can't do anything about the clock. The question is, how will you manage the pressure? Now, now, to, now, to explain this and to help me explain this to you, I had to bring out an old school uh, 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 game, I don't know if you remember this game, and I'm actually need some help too, and so Josh, my man Josh, will you come up here, man, and, uh, and just help me, help me real quick. Yeah, I had to get the best looking dude in the audience to come on up here, yeah. So I put pressure, I put pressure on you, no, not that, we'll leave that there. Okay, yeah, go ahead, bring, how many people remember this game when you were a kid? Remember this? Remember that? What's it called? Yeah. Put the pieces into the slot. Make the right selection. But be quick, you're racing the clock. Goes perfection. That's right. Give it up for y'all 90s and 80s kids. And pop those perfection. Um, um, this game terrifies my son. I didn't play this until Christmas. Come Christmas, we my mom pulled out the game and, and I don't know if you've ever played this game before, but what happens is you set this timer. Set the timer and then you push down the blue. Push down push down the blue. Push it the whole no, not that one. Push oh. that down. Yeah, push that down. Boom. push the whole down. Put, push all the way down. Okay. Good. Let it go. And and then and then what happens is. And if you don't put the pieces back in time by the timer runs out. And so my son didn't know how to play this game, and so we put it in, and the thing goes off, he starts crying, going crazy. Doesn't want to play the game anymore, and so we had to, we had to, stop, we had to stop the timer to let him put the pieces. And the crazy thing is, when the timer was stopped, he did great. He aced it, like in 30 seconds. He's a genius. And so, and so when the timer was off, he nailed it, dude. He nailed it. But when the timer went on, he couldn't put one piece in. Why? It's the pressure. Pressure was too much. Pressure got to him. Few people can. And unfortunately, I think that's, that's how life is. So, so I'm going to hold this for you. I think, I think life is a lot like that. See, there's, there's, a, there's a... Josh has got a life, and, and Josh is going to try and put the pieces of his life in place. Are, are you ready? And so, so we're going to start, okay? This is your life here, bro. All right? Sounds cool. Okay. Because the problem is there is a timer in this game, a stop button. But there's no stop button on the timer of life. And so, go ahead. Yeah. All right. All right. You're in your 20s now. Right, you got to get a house. Come on. Get a house. You still haven't got the house? Too late. Now you're in your 30s. You're in your 30s. Okay. You're not married yet? You're not married and you're in your 30s. You're never getting married. Go ahead. Just put that in there now. Okay. Nope. I guess you're never going to get married. Okay. Well, uh, well, if you're not going to get married, you should at least, you know, like just- get a promotion <laughs> and, your, and your work up. Oh, but now you're, now you're, now you're 40. And the young guy got the promotion. And uh, so now you ain't got that. All right. And now you're 50. Okay. You got how much saved for retirement and you're 50? No. Mm-mm, not going to work. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. <laughs> and, and it. And that's life. We're, we're trying to fight for perfection. But the pressure of the timer doesn't allow us to accomplish the thing that God really wants to give us. And give us is the key word, by the way, because this is life without God. But let me show you life with God. Hold that. God doesn't say, God doesn't start the timer at birth. He's like, all right, you better read your Bible. You better pray. You better get this out. Because that timer is fitting. No, you know what he does? Give me. He says, I don't think you're going to finish. But I got good news. I got a son. And he beat that game 2,000 years ago. He beat perfection 2,000 years ago. And here's the good news. Now that he's beat it, you don't have to. And so what he does is he says, says, so here's what I'll do. I'll trade you. I'll trade you, you're broken, imperfect messed up in pieces, life for a perfect whole completed one that's the good news of jesus christ not that he took up your sins on the cross but that he took up the pressure of perfection when he died he said you don't gotta do it i'm gonna do it for you don't sweat it i got it isn't that good i almost call this message the pressure of perfection I'm going to trade it. You don't got to be worried anymore. I'm going to finish it for you. I finish it. Now you take it. Now you got to understand because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, amen, amen, amen. But when you go home, you don't feel like that. You feel like this. And so my question is, if I'm that, why do I feel like this? It's actually a really good answer. And, and we got to get a, just a little bit. I got to teach a little bit. It's okay if I teach a little bit. I got to teach a little bit. You see, see, the New Testament has this doctrinal kind of dichotomy. It, it talks about the difference between your standing and your state. And I got to explain that real quick. See, because your standing is the way God sees you. Think about in court, when you get the innocent verdict. Now your standing has changed. You are innocent. But if you got that ticket for speeding, how many people know that when you leave that courtroom, you're still going to have a problem speeding? Speeding is your state. Innocence was your standing. And so in God, we have a standing, but in our everyday life, we have a state. And so when Jesus died... On the cross, for your sins and for my sins, your standing was changed. When Jesus sees you, when God sees you, he doesn't see this. When God sees you, he sees that. But when God sees that, that doesn't mean that this hasn't changed. Your standing is perfect, but your state is still in the process of coming together. Your state is who you are on Monday. Your state are the struggles, the addictions that you have. Your state are the frustrations that you have. Your state is your mindset. Your state is still being made. Paul said it way better than I could. Paul said it in Hebrews. So let's throw the verse up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. He said this. He said, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Do you see it? He said, in one sense, I made you. But in the other sense, you're still being made. I finished your standing, but now i got to work on your state. And, and so you got to understand now, look what just happened. When we made the exchange, you got to catch this. This is where it's going to hit home. When, me, we made the, when we made the exchange, I'm going to say it right. When we made the exchange, too many C's in that word. It wasn't just the condition of his standing that we traded but we also traded the control of his state. See, I'm God. So, so I gave him perfection, but in return, he had to give me his state. What does that mean? That means now that I've given you perfection, but now it's my job to put the pieces of your life back together. And so, and so I, I give you your standing, but you got to be willing to give me control. Of your state. You got to let me put the pieces of your life back together, which freaks us out because sometimes God's taking his sweet little time and there you are 40 years old still ain't married. Try and take it back from God sometimes. God, you're taking too long. Give me that back. But the moment you try to take control, you give up your standing. Because He didn't die just to be the Savior of your life, He died to be the Lord and Savior of your life. And you can't take one title without the other. If He's your Savior, then He has to be your Lord. So when's it going to happen for me? I'm going to get that promotion. When am I going to get mad? When are those kids going to come? When am I going to finally get out of this hell hole? I couldn't tell you. Why? Because you noticed it's in God's control. But look at the timer. The timer stopped. Why? Because God operates on his own timing. <sighs> He's like, don't even, he, he, see, see, this is us for God. We're like, God, Go. go, God, go. I've been a Christian for one week and I still haven't shaken that addiction. Go. Go, God, better finish this. It's getting up there, God. It's getting up there. It's getting up there. God's like, shut up. He said, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He said, I don't operate under time. I live above time. I'm gonna do it in my time. Your job's not to make it happen. Your job's to trust me to make it happen. I'm gonna bring it, I'm gonna give it, but you gotta trust me. You, get out of it. Give me the game. Let it go. You're not good at this game. You're not good at perfection, but I nailed it 2,000 years ago on a cross. So give it to me. I got you. And here's what we know about God He's good. Listen, it might be scary to give God control of your life, but you know what else is? What else happens, which is great, it might be scary, and it might, but guess what? When you give him control, the pressure's off. Whew. The pressure's off. And so we are here, God, take it. The pressure's off. That's what I love about Jesus. Let's put this down. I got to finish. I got to finish. Time's running out. That's pressure. Pressure is one force. You got to manage the pressure, but pressure does something else to your life. Hebrew- oh, yeah, stay there because I'm going to use you in a second. Sorry. That's why I just, he would be a part of this. Hebrews, Hebrews, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians eleven 28. We're going to go a little over. Is it okay if we just extend a little bit the service today? It's just, I got this message for you. Okay, thank you. If you were one of the people who didn't say amen, I'm sorry. Um, feel free to leave. I won't take too much of your time, but, but here's what it says, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. 28. Look, Paul says, and besides everything, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches. So there's that word pressure again. So you got to manage the pressure. You can't manage time, but you got to manage the pressure. But look what he says. He says, but on top of pressure, I got everything else. I got you I got to worry about. I got 14 churches that I pastored. 14 churches Paul pastored. I pastor one and it's killing me. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I can't even imagine 14. Paul was so busy, he couldn't even discipline people in person. He had to send letters. That's what these letters are. He's like, you're lucky I wasn't there. True story. He says it in 2 Corinthians. He says it. He says, I was going to go to you, but if I went there, I'd have slapped you and so I just couldn't. It's too much. It's too much for you. It's a lot. It's a lot. On on top of on top of you guys, I got the Pharisees trying to kill me. On top of the Pharisees, I got the Gentiles trying to throw me in prison. On top of the Gentiles trying to throw me in prison. I got no friends. The, the Jews, they, they, they left me. The, 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 the Christians, they don't trust me. And so I got, I, I got nobody. And then even when I pray, here's what the Bible says in Corinthians, that the, that the Satan sent a thorn in his flesh. And so it's crazy because, because Paul is trying to build up this church, but this church starts falling apart. He tries to heal this person, but he's got his own sickness that he's fighting. He's trying, to, he's trying to write this message, but this message is being destroyed. And here's what Paul's saying. He says, I got pressure, but I can't just learn how to manage the pressure. I also got to learn how to manage the balance. Wouldn't it be nice to fight a war on just one front? I mean, if it was just your boss that was giving you a hard time. We can handle that, right? Like, that's not the end of the world, but I can handle that. If my boss is a jerk, I can take that. I can take him yelling at me. What hap- the, where the problem comes in is when your boss is yelling at you, but then you come home and your spouse is yelling at you. And you just want to give a, a hug to your kids, but he comes home with a, with a report card, and the only A on that thing is AF that you got on there. And what you're doing is you're fighting the fight on all sides. And you got to learn balance. can't manage that. You can't manage time, but you can manage balance. And so I got to illustrate balance, if you would. Would you stand in the center here for me? Okay, balance. Are you ready? I need you to stand on one leg and hold it. Okay, you might be good if you, if you, if you uh, hold your arm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balance. How many people think that's hard? Yeah. Well, you try it if you don't think it's hard. How many people think that's hard? And he's just by himself. What if I gave him work? So balance is tough. But now on top of balance, I'm saying, hey, man, but you got to provide for your family. Like that. Yeah. And then, and then you know what? You don't want to be working that job forever. I should not have put that... So low. <laughs> you don't want to be working forever, so you know what? You should probably go to school to get an education, so you can get a promotion. So now we gotta throw books on top of this. Okay. Yeah. you. Now go ahead. Now you gotta balance school and work. Yeah, but now it seems like you've got life together. So you know what? I think you're ready to get married. Yeah. But you know what? You can't get married because you're out of shape. You should probably start going to the gym. Yeah. Start going to the gym, start working out. Come on. Hey, don't lose balance now. Don't lose balance. If you need to switch legs, that's okay. You can switch it up. Yeah, yeah. you Go ahead, yeah. So now you got, you got the gym and you got, but now the girl comes. Oh, he found her. Founder, her name's Sarai. Yeah, come on, Sarai. This is this is actual wife, by the way. So if things get personal, it's just, it's okay. It's biblical. Oh, come on. So now he gets go ahead, you balance, balance, balance. Go ahead, Sarai. Get, hop up in there. Yeah. So now, so now you got a wife. Now you got. No, no, you can't cheat. Okay. Now you got you got work. You got an education. You got, you got working out. You got a, a wonderful, beautiful wife. Amen. But guess what? You got that promotion. And so many of us think if I just get the promotion, life will be awesome, right? What you don't know about the promotion is that the promotion just means more work. <laughs> I can't wait till I get that promotion. Okay. Bam. You've been promoted. <laughs> now you got more work to balance. But then you get invited to church by a friend. Come on, Alex. Alex is one of his friends. Alex is going to represent Jesus because Alex is a man of God. Come on, Alex. Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. Come. Stay, stay balanced now. Stay balanced. All right, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. You just started going to church. I don't know. How do you get in, Jesus? How does he get in? How does he get He could hop on his back. Whoa, 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 whoa. But if he did, what would happen? He would crumble. He would lose balance. And let me tell you, now, now, now I'm reading your mail. Ready? Are you ready for this? I can't come to church because I'm tired. Can I be honest? I can't, I can't pray on Wednesday nights because I got too much work. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to hit you. I'm trying to help you. I would love to serve, but I can't serve on the dream team because my plates are already full and here's how you know Your life is unbalanced when the first thing you drop is Jesus You can clap please clap it'll help the people Who are really going through it to know that they're not alone? And so we get out of balance we drop Jesus, but what we don't know is that Jesus was never meant to be carried Jesus is supposed to carry you Not the other way around you see, the problem is, okay, you can, you can just, yeah, Jesus, hang out over there. Hang out all the corner. Yeah, I'm gonna use you probably. I don't even know when I'm gonna use you. Just sit down. I'll use you maybe. Just, or stand. Oh, the, 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 the problem is with this scenario is that in this scenario, you are the center of your life. And you were not built to carry the weight that life brings. And so either one of two things will happen. Go ahead, get on it. Either one of two things will happen. Listen. You'll either give up or break down. So you're either saying, you know what? This is too much. I can't do it anymore. I'm not going to work out no more. I'm going I'm to leave my job. I'm going to divorce. I'm done with my school. And push your leg down. And, and I'm done. Push. And I'm done. And I'm done. And a part of me understands because he's in the search for peace. And I guess I can respect someone who says that my peace is more valuable than my profit. The problem is, this isn't this is balance. This is stability. And you might be getting peace, but you're trading peace for purpose. Because stability means you're not doing anything. But Jesus died to give you a full life, not a flat life. And if you want a full life, that means you got to carry some things. And so the solution can't be to drop it all because you'll drop it, but you'll be bored and you'll be unfulfilled. And you'll have no idea where your life is going. So don't give up. Hold on. Listen, I'm preaching to somebody who's getting ready to let go of something that God is saying to hold on to. Not to leave that marriage. Not to leave that job. It isn't that you don't have time. It's that you're not learning how to manage. The pressure and the balance. That's one thing. That's one thing. Yeah, I can come up. That's one thing. Go get back up. Get back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. Boom, boom. Grab that. Boom. That's that's when you give up. That's when you give up. The other one, though, and it's almost more dangerous. The other one, though, is not when we give up. Because there's two responses. You're either going to give up or what? Or you're going to break down. And the scary thing about this is that you can actually do this. Which is why it's so dangerous. You might even be able to fit Jesus in the picture. You're coming to church. You're reading your Bible. You're on the dream team. You're 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 on there. You're there, you're doing it. The question isn't, can you do it? The question is, for how long? Are you feeling your core starting to give out? Are your legs starting to get tired? Nobody knows because when they see you, they see this and they go, wow, he's strong. Wow, she got it all together. I wish I could be like them. But what they don't know is that on the inside, the muscles are starting to break right down, the, the lactic acid is starting to build up. And eventually, try that again. You suffer from a breakdown. The problem is, you were created to be a follower of your faith, but never to be the fulcrum of your faith. Fulcrum, that's a good word, right? It's a college word. I know you're probably like, hey man, what does fulcrum mean? I put the definition on the, on the screen for you. Fulcrum, the point on which a lever rests. Or is supported on and on which it pivots you know a fulcrum like clear out a fulcrum like on a seesaw this right here it's a fulcrum It's what it's called you didn't know that you used to it was a seesaw no there's a fulcrum and i and i love and I, and I was looking at this the other day and i was thinking how cool is this because this fulcrum is so strong that not only can it take the pressure, but in taking the pressure, it can also manage the balance. And I thought if there was only something as strong as this fulcrum, there was only someone who with outstretched arms could be the rock with which we build our house on So that when the storm comes, we shall not fall. We shall not break. We shall not give up. If only there was someone who said, cast your cares on me and I will give you rest. If there was only somebody who could take the pressure and the balance. Come here. Just you. Just you alone. Get in that position one more time. God says that posture is good. But I got one posture that's even better. You see how he's holding on to me and now me holding on to him That was Jesus Christ's intention for you all along. Look what he says Isaiah. the singer. Isaiah chapter 50. Pretty sure. He has taken, he was pierced for our transgressions, for our iniquity, and he has took on him the sins of the world. Jesus wants to be The one who takes the pressure and the one who brings the balance so what it really should look like is this you take your life and you put your life on jesus go ahead you take your wife you build your wife on jesus you take school she got to go to school too you got yeah, where are you now? Yeah, you got that. And guess what? Jesus is so strong. Now you got space for other things. Now you can actually join a team at church because now you can do ministry and actually help other people. Elmer, will you come? Now you can actually help other people. And so, and so now you got other people in your life who, who now you can help lift up because, because you're blessing other people. And now you can actually pursue uh, other things and more relationships uh, in, in your life. Uh, Zelly, do you got pants on? No, you got skirt on. Okay. Uh, let me guess. Hosea. Come, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. And now you can actually start. And now, and now you've got balance. And now you've got balance. Now you can do a lot more than you could in the beginning because your life is resting on somebody who is strong enough, who is big enough, who is good enough, who will never let you go and never let you down. He's got mercy in his arms, he's got grace in his arms. He'll take the pressure and he'll provide the balance. But you got to build your life on him. Here's when it doesn't work though. Come here, you get on there. You know why it don't work that way? Because Jesus is not to be balanced. Some of you guys are trying to add Jesus to the equation. I'm going to get work, and I'm going to get my spiritual life right, and and then I'll be good. God says, you got it all. Don't you try and balance me. I'm not a plate that you spin. I'm the one that holds you up. Come on, Jesus, you can get off. Jesus, you can get up. I'm going to end here. How does this end practically? Stand up on your feet. Would you stand on your feet as we end here? How does this end practically? How does this end practically? Colossians 3.22, and I finish. So sorry. Colossians 3.22. Next verse. Work from the heart. Cast this, cast this. For the real master, for God, confident that you will get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always, listen that the ultimate master you are serving is Christ. What does that mean practically for you? That means when, what you're really doing is not, you're not aligning your priorities. Here's what you're doing. You're aligning everything to your purpose. So this is what it practically looks like. When loving Jesus and serving God is your purpose, work, where's work? Work, work doesn't throw you off balance. The reason why work doesn't throw you off balance is because church isn't the only place you do ministry you start to see your workplace as an extension of what happens here being a parent being a parent doesn't doesn't take away from your devotion to god because you don't see kids you see disciples that you're raising up and building up and education doesn't get in the way because you start seeing your education as something to further your purpose in lifting up the name of Jesus. What you gotta do is align everything to the fulcrum. You gotta get everything through the viewpoint of how this is going to help get me closer to Jesus, love him more, and serve him more, which leads us to this truth. There's something in your life that is not helping you get closer to Jesus there's something in your life that is not helping you serve your Lord. If there's something in your life that is not helping you be obedient, if there's something in your life that is not aligned, that's what you let go. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com forward slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a blessed week.